Woke up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip. On a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. Okay, you know you guys aren't privy to all the new. So, uh, you know that's what you uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. There's just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f*** are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown. Welcome back to Saxon Jackson. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. And we think everything is working today. Are we right, Andrew? Everything's working today? Yeah, everything's looking pretty good so far. All right, and it's actually not even as cold out as people said it was going to be. So, so far, a very nice morning. SP futures down 650 after the rally yesterday. We were up last night. NASDAQ futures down 17. Dow futures down 66. Do we have Mr. Lou, Mr. Professor, almost Professor Lou? So I'm I'm going to tell you that uh, I watched yesterday the fastest temperature drop I've ever seen in my life come through here uh, at about uh, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It, it went from 48 degrees to um, 11 degrees in about 40 minutes. Wow. I've never, I've never seen it was a 37 degree temperature, temperature drop in, uh, in, in less than an hour. And uh, you, when you're when you're in the middle of something like that, it it's almost hard to believe it's happening because because every you know you you just it, you, you stand outside and it's like it's like standing in front of an open refrigerator door as the wind as the wind picked up you, it, the, the wind direction changed there's a very well defined frontal passage um, I watched the um, flags on our uh, you know on our street suddenly stop you know flapping in one direction and start flapping from another direction and it got it got really cold and it got really cold fast we're at 13 below this morning I'm, I'm really glad this is not one of those mornings where I was walking into uh, the railroad station and then walking across the loop to uh, to the station so that's well, supposed to happen um, this afternoon here but uh, it's a uh, are you are you in Denver? Are you up at uh, Cripple Creek? Oh no, I'm in Denver. It's it's actually warmer, uh, about uh, ten degrees warmer up at the up in the mountains uh, near my uh, near my place up there. Wow! It, it's uh, because because of the way the the front came through the uh, the front. You know, the center of the front is is east of of Denver, the big low pressure area there, and so it's pulling it's pulling the wind from the north and northeast. And uh, the front range of the mountains provides protection um, for the for the house there. So it it literally is. It, I mean, it's cold, but it's not it's not as cold as it is here. And 
we got about I don't know how much snow you guys are going to get. You're in a different situation than we are. We've got about three inches on the ground right now. But, well, we uh, went from you know, uh, from eight to twelve to sixteen to the worst storm ever in the history of the world. Now we're back down to three to five. Yeah. Well, they, you know, the 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 press understands very well that, that weather stories, you know, are, are worth clicks on the internet or eyeballs on TV. So, so they're gonna they're gonna hype this thing. But here, they've, they've been talking for the last probably two or three days about just, you know, how dangerous the cold is. And it looks like that's exactly, you know, that's exactly what's what's hit here. We've got a, I think the wind chill right now is about 30 below is what's being reported. Well, as I was so, explaining uh, to young Andrew on the way in, uh, they can give you all this BS about wind chill. Uh, and by the way, if, if you're out in it, it's not BS. But if it's zero with a 20-mile-an-hour wind and it, it feels like 20 below, I get it. But it's not 20 below. The, no. di- the difference in your no. car battery at zero versus 20 below is one it works and one it maybe doesn't. I mean, there's a massive difference in... Well, in, yeah, but in, your, car, your, car battery, your car battery doesn't feel wind chill. Well, that's what I'm saying. Wind so chill, I'm saying yeah, wind, chill, wind chill's exposed skin, so... But 20 below is actually amazingly life-threatening to man and machine. Yes, it is. Where zero really isn't, you know, uh, for for your autos, your I mean, your heating system, all those kinds of things, and stuff that you have outside running, uh, you know, it's just there, there's a, there's a massive difference. One, it, they make it sound like it's exactly equivalent. It's not. No, no, and and I and I've you know, if you and I having lived in cold weather climates all our lives, under understand that um, the the. When I lived in Winnipeg, um, which which is the coldest place I've I've ever lived, and the coldest place that I would ever want to live, quite frankly. God, yeah. Um, we we would hit you know we would hit minus thirty, minus thirty five, uh, occasionally minus forty every winter, and and with a high you know of fifteen below or ten below, and and you know then then they would throw the windshield on top of it. But you know they found out that those windshield and that was just in the 60s, so that's when windshield was just getting getting popular as a reporting um, a reporting tool. You know, and then they found that the, the windshield studies from which those early numbers were based were all screwed up. They were they were not right, and uh, they had they revised. You know, they were in the wrong direction. You know, they it was some army study that had been done in the Second World War, and they they found out their methodology was wrong. What a surprise! Well, um, there's no doubt that it. This morning we were. I was expecting, you know, it was supposed to already be crummy. And it, there's, it's like, I'm going to say it's, what is it, Andrew? Is it, is it 28 degrees and no wind? It actually feels balmy, for God's sake. Yeah, we're almost at about yeah. 30 right yeah. now. But, you know, you, looked, mentioned it's, you, you mentioned it, the, the change in temperature story real quick because we got all kinds of stuff to talk about. We actually went skiing out in, uh, in your hood one year. It was, it was spring skiing. It was late. And a bunch of us went and met some people out there that lived in Longmont. And uh, we went to Breckenridge one day, and this is this is I'm going to say either late March, early April, and uh, it was it had to be 60 with the sun is beating down on you. We knew, yeah. And uh, so there was there were on some of the runs you had to stay on one side because the other side was like grass almost. Well, the next day we go to the back bowls of Vale. In the morning, it's you know it's 45 degrees. All of a sudden, it's like God knows what it got down to 10 like instantly, like you're, like you're talking about. Well, we're in the back bowls, and everything is kind of 
heavy and kind of wet, all of a sudden the top inch starts freezing. <laughs> so so when you're when you're when you're going through it, you're like your your boot is is cutting its way through the ice. <laughs> it's like the weirdest damn thing. Then the next day, of course, we, you know, when you go skiing and when you're young, you're young and stupid. No matter what happens, you're going skiing because you went skiing, right? So the next day we went to a Copper Mountain. I don't think it got above like you know eight degrees or something. The place was like the Zamboni. <laughs> it was just ice, <laughs> and uh, they had all those you know those orange like uh, you know, little thingies like to block you, and they say no no fast skiing here. One of the one of the kids blew through that thing and took it down a hill with him. <laughs> there's there's no way. You, I mean, you really had to be. We had no business out there. It went from went from uh, absolute summer skiing to a hybrid to the next day. You could have sworn that somebody polished the ice. I don't know what we were doing out there. A bunch of idiots. But that's yeah. what happened. that's what you do when you're. No, young. no. It, 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 those kinds of those kinds of days. I, we had a we had a game uh, that I attended at Air Force uh, against Army. Uh, and it was a it was an October game, so it was in the seventies when you showed up in the game. People showed up in shirt sleeves and and shorts. It was a gorgeous you know afternoon. And uh, about halfway through the first quarter, I get this line appears across the sky. It's like somebody drew with a ruler. It's a cloud, you know, a layer of clouds, and it's coming in. And by the time the third well, you quarter have to move. Started, you have to move in the room, bud. You got to move in the room a little bit. Yeah, okay, hold on, I'll fix this. Give me a sec. Anyway, it started snowing. It started snowing at the start of the third quarter. Great. <laughs> well, we, uh, so what, where, uh, where do you want to, I mean, I, we got all kinds of different things that are affecting the market and are going to affect next year. Um, what do you make of this massive bounce back in, in the Hang Seng, uh, which has been, was made 14,000, it's almost 20,000 this morning. And that's been, you know, five weeks or something. I'll go back at the actual date, but, uh, China opening up and all of a sudden everybody's supposed to invest over there again despite all their whatever they do I mean the, the capitalists among us which I guess I am one <clears throat> are, are, are we really going to give you know money to the to a bullet manufacturer shooting our own people I mean I, I don't you know I, I don't know what Russell was on yesterday and he says he won't buy anything from there he's been I mean, he's been to Hong Kong a million times and he's been over there a bunch and he's just like you know I don't, I don't I'm over it I don't want those guys I mean they're they're Basically, our enemy—they're—they're they're putting their own secret service in every country on earth, for God's sake, to watch their people. And I just don't want any part of them. And I, you know, I feel the same way. Now, he, you know, he—you uh, know—he still, I think, does some stuff for people there. I'm not sure, but uh, I, you know, I don't—I'm not sure what, what are we what are we supposed to do here, Lou? I mean, it, they claim their business is way down, their exports are way down. And, and by the way, the people who are talking about there's—you know—there's never going to be a recession. For God's sake, little railroad car loadings are down. Containers are down like seven percent year over year. And last year, we still had the COVID stuff. I mean, anybody who thinks we're not slowing down here? What 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 rose-colored glasses are they wearing? I mean, a lot of people are getting well, laid well, let's, off. Let's start. Let's start with the fact that we found out that the Biden administration had inflated the labor figures last summer by a million jobs. We 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 reported that we created something like over a million jobs when in fact we created less than ten thousand. They did that. I think it was for the June or July report, so that it wouldn't look like we were in a recession, and they could argue that we weren't in a recession. I I think we're in a recession, and, and I mean, if you if you look at what's happening with, with law firms right now, you're seeing a slowdown. You're seeing some layoffs going. Um, Alpa 
uh, the Airline Pilots Association just published a, a notice indicating that, um, that the supply for the first time, in my memory anyway, the supply of pilots coming into the, into the pipeline is exceeding the demand. Um, and, and remember, you know, the airline business is a is a business with a mandatory retirement date. So you know, it's not like it's not like a lot of other white dollar jobs where guys can hold on past sixty five. You, you're out. You got to move again. You got to move again. You're, you're wobbling. Yeah, sorry. This this is going to be a problem because I think the cold weather is is creating a you know some issues with our tower system. Um, but but my my point is so that that's one. But the second thing is nobody. And I, you know, Chief, I remember sitting in in, in the station and you're, you're across from you at the desk talking about China in like 2012. Yeah. And they they had they had done something that had completely screwed all you know Western investors in the short term, and had had created uh, you know a nightmare for for people. And and I I distinctly recall saying you know listen, you're dealing with communists. Okay, this is a communist dictatorship. Nobody in their right mind invests in a communist dictatorship. The only people who do that are people like Hunter Biden. Okay, and and where where the, the communists are paying you directly, you know, not you're not well, you can't rely on that on that system because they will they will move. To, the Chinese are moving very much like the Russians did or, or will do. The Chinese are always moving in the direction of their national interest, and and you know, the only way you're making money in China is if you are helping a communist dictatorship, which is, is in, in the process, by the way, of conducting a, a full-blown genocide against its Muslim minority population called the Uyghurs. Nobody's talked about that for a while. It is still going on. So, so you know, from a moral perspective, from a smart investment perspective, you, you shouldn't be there. You know, it's a it's a mess. Um, and, and if you if you, and, and again, this is a country where we could. At for which or with which we could very easily find ourselves at war, you know, over Taiwan, uh, a full-fledged, you know, real shooting war, not a proxy, um, over Taiwan, you know, within the next three or four years. Um, so, so, uh, you know, that that's a factor. That's something to think about. I I told you in 2014 or 2015 when you asked for my investment advice, I said, you know what. I, I know what's been happening with our defense stocks. You should you should be investing in defense because because we've worn out a lot of our our equipment and we have to replace it. And and that has that is still true and it's actually exacerbated now by what's happening in Ukraine. And I wanna I wanna talk to you about about you know how we deal with, with what's happening in Ukraine right now. Um, but we're we're you know, our stocks of of weapons in almost you know, the, the expendable stuff, the stuff that we're going to use right away if we get into a shooting match with with China or or Iran somewhere else. The stocks of all that stuff are being depleted, and they're being depleted in a hurry. And and, and that has to happen if we're going to keep Ukraine afloat. The short the short answer is we've got to take a veteran weapons industry. We've got to we've got to if we want them to to stop the Russians and to, to Bloody, bloody the Russians sufficiently. 
we've got a pipeline weapons to them. And, and that means we've got to make a lot more of them because our armed forces are, going to, are feeling the pinch right now. Loaded, uh, without, without getting any, any sort of a uh, political thing, and my, you know, with, with Trump going over to Europe and, well, he essentially, <laughs> his personality isn't exactly like mine, let's put it that way, but he pissed everybody off by saying how much more of those guys have to contribute. Uh, but in fact, he, I think he, he was, was right. He was right to do so. I think okay. he, well, I think he, his his style was not mine. But there's no doubt that we we can't be doing this ourselves. I mean, I, I get. I mean, I, I mean, in terms of what he was trying to accomplish, whatever he's trying to accomplish, and you know, we could figure out it was just for him, or he actually was trying to accomplish something. But uh, the fact is, any, I guess my question is, did any of that do any good? Did they actually? Are they? Is there? Are there? I mean, were their industries totally dormant? Or, Dormant, or were they uh, were they able to, to ramp up some production? Are they helping at all on artillery and, and missiles, and or are they just? I mean, are they just in the early stages of trying to do something, or they did nothing? I, I mean, I guess I, my question is, I don't know how that panned out. Did he just piss any, everybody off and not cause any oh, improvement, or did? Well, they they you know they they sort of laughed at him. I mean, they said, yeah, you know, we can we can do some of that, and you know, whatever. But the short answer is nobody really paid attention until this invasion. Um, there was some there was some move to, to try to bolster stocks, and and you're seeing the the Brits and the French and the Italians of all people teaming up to um, to, to manufacture a, a fantastic new fighter aircraft, and I'd I'd love to see that one because I think it's going to probably going to be pretty good. Um, and, and we're seeing some some weapons development. Push, um, pushing out of out of the EU, but, but the you know the 500 pound gorilla in, in on the European continent is Germany, and the Germans have no interest in doing anything but being Germans. They are not they are not spending money on defense. The the you would think that an aggressive Russia would scare the Polchies out of those people, given the fact that they they just you know within a generation got, got rid of the Russians and got rid of Russian occupation but but it is not it's just not that that culture they are not pumping the money into their defense establishment that they need to they're they're not supplying weapons to Ukraine on, on, a, on a comparable level um, and so you know the, the short answer is I'm you know and, and, and moreover like made themselves beholden to the Russians on their energy system. So so I, I don't know what I don't know what to tell you except that you know they are they are well aware, the Germans and the French and everybody else are well aware that our national interest is is in protecting them. And as long as that's the case, and this is what this is where Trump, you know, Trump scared people because he he, he talked about Article five and he said maybe we it's time to Rethink Article Five of the NATO Treaty, which is the an attack on one is an attack on all language, and and you know that scared people because they they suddenly thought you know is the United States not going to look at us as part of its national its national interest because as long as as long as you know the security of Germany and and France and and um, you know these other nations is in our national interest, they don't have to spend on defense. Like like we do, they can they can pump money into their social welfare systems without having to to, to pay the, the butcher's bill, if you will, 
for for weapon systems. The butter and guns argument for them is always butter because there's somebody else buying the guns. Well, what uh, that Article Five? I mean, I, I you know, I, obviously I've heard about it. I don't know if I've ever researched it. What what if we you know China decides to take out a couple of aircraft carriers on their way to Taiwan. Does that mean those guys have to fight China, or is it just one way? Um, I would I would say I would say that you know that's a good question. I would say that NATO would would be expected to act um, against China in the event of an attack on the United States or U.S. assets. Well, you think they'd do it? I'm, I'm skeptical. Um, Germany for sure. I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe not. The, the guys, the, you just raised an interesting point, though. Do you, do you know, you know, the one thing I, I thought would scare the crap out of people in, in this region of the world uh, apparently is not, is not happening, and that is that Japan has basically rescinded the self-defense provisions of its constitution and, and is arming now to the hilt. Because they can see what's coming from from China. Well, Lou, no matter who you are, no matter how no matter how much of a pacifist you are, when, when missiles are flying over your country, you, you get a wake up call for God's sake. Well, but I mean, but I mean, the the thing that the thing that ought to scare everybody, or in, in, in the you know in the East Asia sphere, is a is a rearmed and re-energized and, and militaristic Japan, and and it it the that path, we're on that path now. I would. I'm gonna. And, and I think it's smart. But I, I don't know that the. I mean, obviously, I've, I've read enough stuff, not as much as some some people listeners maybe, but there's there's no comparison with, in, in my opinion, there's no comparison with Japan saying, "Hey, I got some neighbors that don't look so hot," and the the group that was in, in charge in 1934. I don't think there's any comparison there. I mean, I do. You? Well. You know that's easy for you to say. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, if, if, if let's put it this way: if, if Germany decided they're going to make a few tanks, they probably haven't in forever, and start doing some artillery stuff just in case. I don't. It doesn't mean a little guy with a mustache is going to pop out of the, of the gutter. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But but you know, Japan, Japan, rightly bothers, and and Japan's occupation is 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 well documented in terms of what they did during the Second World War there. And you know, I mean, for the for the people that live there, you know, the, the the Japanese, you know, Japan has a particular memory, and and so are associated with a particular memory. So so I think it's just interesting. You know, we drafted their constitution, we forced their constitution on them, and and it's it's worked it's worked pretty well. But but you know, the Japanese are now building first strike, you know, long range first strike weapons. To, to counter, counter a, a potential threat from China, and, and you know more power to them. I, I, I get it. They are they are taking very seriously their self defense role. Who's, I, who's the, the Germans? The Germans. I, I, I don't understand it, but I think the Germans just you know their their political culture is just yeah the United States will come. The United States got our back, so we don't have to play with us. Well, who's 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 building and who's buying the submarines? Because. Is Australia buying them from Japan, or Japan buying them from Australia? Somebody's building them, and somebody's buying it. You and I talked about it a couple of years ago, but well, yeah, there was that there was that that move that move where we, I mean, the Biden people, the Biden people did this early on in the administration. We we cut the French out of and Germans out of a submarine contract, and I think it was the French, 
and and we're su- we're supplying Australia with submarines, and I think the Japanese are are um, providing some support for the Australian submarine network that they're buying from us. And one one of the two is making them, Japan or Australia. I, I think they're just diesel electric, but uh, um, the Japanese have a <coughs> I believe the Japanese have a native diesel electric product that's pretty good. Well, they're they're, they're quiet as hell in in uh, near shore, aren't they? I mean, they're they're dangerous. They are very dangerous, especially in shallow water. They they can they can function in there. So yeah, so that's this is this is all th- this whole armament thing is all part of of the same equation that you and I've talked about probably for the last seven years. And 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 this goes back where I know we're close to the break. We need to talk a little bit about about how to respond, how this response to Zelensky's presentation, how that's going to work, and what that might mean for for our again for our armor, armaments industry, which I think. It's going to have to explode in the next two to three years. Plus, Lou, I got a, a fascinating story I want to relate to. I was talking to some uh, young fellow last night, uh, and some of the thoughts he has. He's from uh, he's Polish, very tight with <coughs> the people back in the old country. <coughs> anyway, we come back from break. It's an interesting conversation. SP Futures down nine. NASDAQ Futures down thirty-seven. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The Control Freaks Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation of the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with 
with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al. We have Lou Michaels and we have Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 975, NASDAQ Futures down 40. Uh, we actually have a, a, a text from one of our other contributors, uh, Lou, regarding the that NATO thing, and we'll talk about that the second we get done with this. Now, Futures down 90, individual stacks, uh, not crazed, but Micron is the one that uh, came out last night, and there are no, no, no bonuses for, for the huge executives, guys like Lou, and they're laying a bunch of other people off. So, I just. Well, when we get done with this, I'm, I can't figure out how the hell in a three- or four-year period with these massive shortages of chips, guys could charge whatever they damn well pleased. Every one of the chip manufacturers is down a bunch. I, somehow or another, I would not have guessed that. I mean, it's the world is, like, bizarre to me these days. Uh, anyway, over in Europe, we've got uh, the DAX down 48.3%, FTSE up 27.3%, CAC around down 9 call that flat. Over in Asia, we've got the uh, Nikkei down up 120.5%. Hang Seng, get a load of this, up 518, 2.7%, almost 20,000, 19,679 after a low of 14,5, and I'll try and get the date. Well, well loose talking, I'll try and get the date. Uh, Shanghai down 13, that's 0.5%. Um, yesterday, big day, Dow was up 526, NASDAQ up 162, and the S&P up 57. We actually had a real nice day because we had rolled our stuff down and uh, we're ready for a rally. I didn't really know it was coming or think it was coming, but it was just in case. You know, guess what? It came up some. Uh, bonds uh, down two basis points, 3.65. The Bund up four basis points, 2.34. Japan down seven basis points, 4.0. So a little bit different from the uh, um, the uh, 4.49 of yesterday. Uh, oil up a dollar 33, 79.62. That's 1.7%. Brent up dollar 39, 83.59. Natural gas up six percent, 5.40. We've got gold. Down a buck thirty, but still eighteen twenty-four. Silver down twenty-five cents, twenty-three ninety-three. Copper unchanged three eighty. We've got the Bitcoin up forty-seven to eighteen uh, sixteen thousand eight sixteen. Still under seventeen thousand, but that doesn't appear to be cracking or anything. And we've got the U.S. dollar uh, slightly down versus the euro, slightly up versus the pound. So not much going on there. Andrew, we got force traffic weather sports. All right, it is uh, six thirty-six here in Chicago on December twenty-second. Uh, beginning with sports uh, tonight, or sorry, or no, it is tonight. Tonight the uh, Jaguars fight the Jets at 7.15 p.m., and that's for the NFL. Over to the NBA, last night the Bulls played the Hawks, winning 110-108. to And over in the NFL, the Blackhawks played the Predators, losing 4-2, and the Coyotes lost to the Golden Knights, losing 5-2. Now, for Chicago weather, the most exciting thing of the day today, uh, currently at 31 degrees, a lot warmer than we expected. Uh, we're going to have a high of 33, but we're going to expect the heavy snow and temperature drops begin around 12 to 1 p.m. today. Uh, over in Phoenix, things are 
basically the same as they always are, at least from my perspective. 40 degrees, clear, and a high of 66 degrees. Uh, now for Chicago traffic, um, not too much of note, except for the fact that out on the inbound I-57, uh, the exit ramp at Halsted Street is closed to a police investigation into a shooting. And now, Chief, you mentioned a shooting on the way in you wanted to talk about, so... That's the one. I mean, the whole thing's yeah. closed down, you got to get off. Lou, we don't, we don't catch anybody. We just investigate, pick up brass, and then we don't know if we sell the brass or what we do with it, but... Uh, no, you guys, you guys catch people. I read about it. You catch them, and then you release them, and they go. I mean, you've had, I think you've had something like forty or fifty uh, repeat murders. We, uh, out of however many murders last year, say a thousand, we've only even got a person of interest in like twelve to fifteen percent of the cases. It's really, it's really unbelievable. Well, in that in that case, then your repeat, your repeat guys. I mean, I, I read, I read the Chicago Scanner on Twitter and. They, they consistently keep a track of the number of guys who have been arrested for violent crime, attempted murder or murder, then released because of the way your DA handles things, and then uh, go on to kill somebody else. Um, I think there's probably a class of 2,500, maybe not that many, people that are doing virtually all the damage here in the city. And we, somehow or another, we got to corral those people. And then, I know it's not politically correct, but hey, uh, one of our Contributors, old friend, you, you, you've listened to him, uh, Mike Murphy. Uh, he spent a lot of time in Germany. He was stationed over there, and he said that the uh, even though it trickle, triggers an attack on the U.S. from China would would trigger Article Five, it still takes the unanimous vote. And he says we'd never get that vote. In no. his opinion. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, it, the argument. Well, it, it, Article 5, as I understand it, and I'll, if, he, if Mike's read it recently, I, I defer to him. But as I understood Article 5 when I was on active duty, and I don't think it's been—I don't think it's been changed. You know, it's—it's it's a tripwire, and and maybe maybe the attack, maybe the language is that it's got to be an attack on the territory that triggers the that triggers the automatic response. But um, for something like China, maybe there is a, 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 a unanimous vote. But in any event. I would not expect. I would not expect a lot of help from NATO. Um, you know, the, the kind. Of, maybe, well, certainly we get it from the UK. Um, we might get it from France, but I wouldn't expect a, a full-scale support from NATO in the event of, of, of China going out against us in Taiwan. It, it they, they're they're too they're too tight in terms of economic influence. Well, Mike also mentioned the uh, Marshall Plan, and uh, you know, we actually had who, who was the person. For those that don't know, I actually know a little bit of this history, and Lou, of course, will educate me, or Mike will, t- Mike will, I, Mike I will, will tweet. Uh, when George Marshall, one of the most fans, if you ever want to read an amazing book, read uh, George Marshall's Soldier and Statesman. I mean, I don't know, probably out of the top ten people, some of them being like Roosevelt, Lincoln, and Washington, I would put, you know, probably Washington, well, those three in the same category, Washington, Lincoln, and Roosevelt, and I would put George Marshall very close to him, in terms of people that if they weren't here, history would have been one hell of a lot different, and probably not for the better. And uh, But I just, he actually, when he, the war was over, he retired, because he was already up there, <clears throat> and uh, he basically got in the car, and him and his wife drove home, whatever, whatever Jenny, he went to... Uh, what's, what's that, and that wasn't the Citadel, what's the other one? Uh, v- uh, VMI. He went VMI, to VMI, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
But he, he drove home, and when he, when he, as soon as he got in the house, as soon as he pulled the driveway, the phone was ringing, and it was Truman. Hey, you got to come back. I got stuff for you to do over in China. So he, he gets back in the car, basically took a pee, got back in the car, and headed back to Washington. And uh, they sent him to China, him and his wife. They were there like a yearish or so, maybe even a little more, trying to to, to uh, do some kind of uh, peace between Chiang Kai-shek and Mao. And in one of the t- couple chapters in the book, they're most fascinating. Luhi had zero success. He said those people were they were absolutely they didn't want to do anything together. They didn't want to stop the bloodshed. They didn't care how many people died. Neither one. And uh, he said they were the most incredible people, you know, almost like non-human that he never even met. Finally, he sends a letter to Truman. He says, "You got to get me out of here. I'm, I'm, I'm accomplishing nothing." And so he came back, and that's when he they said, "Okay, well now your next job is Europe." Uh, but there was a guy in the middle, I forget the name, that it was his plan, and it was horrendous. It was, uh, it was some other guy that was in the Roosevelt administration, and they were screwing it all up. And Marshall basically changed it all around. But very early in the show, uh, not, not today's show, since we've been on the air, we had a guest, Chris Manns got a guest, a lady from Minnesota, and she had a beat. Oh, God, how old she was at uh, the time. By the, by the way, the singular, the singular motivation that, that you just described with respect to Marshall is exactly what we've got with Putin in Russia. You mean the same that over in, in China? You mean? Yes, what you had in China with that singular that singular devotion to we're going to take the mainland, the whole Chiang Kai-shek thing, and, and opposed on the other side by Mao, that kind of singular win-at-all-costs, victory is everything, that's the only alternative. That's what you've got in Putin's Russia right now. And it's being opposed in a very similar way by Zelensky. Yeah, well, well anyway, but this, this lady came in, and she was, I'm going to say late 80s at the time. Lou, I hope she's still with us, but I would send a doubt it. She was, she was one of the young ladies that was in on the Marshall Plan when they went to Germany. It had to be one of the most fantastic interviews I ever did. And I said, you know, everybody's view over here was, after the war, first of all, we forgot about the first guy. It began with a V. What the hell was his name? Uh... He, he was. It was his idea. He was the first guy in charge of, you know, getting Germany back together. And he did evidently a horse bleep job. And Marshall was good at everything. Managed to managed to do a good job. I said, what were these, what were these towns like? People get uh, the idea that, you know, the war ended, and all of a sudden Marshall got over there, and five years later everything was cool. And she goes, oh no, it was nothing like that. She goes, every single town we went in, we needed protection. There was no food, very little water, no medical stuff. The gangs are all over the place. She goes, every town was just a was just a riot squad, and we had to, we had to go place by place, calm this down, bring in food, had the airlift, all that stuff. She goes, it was an amazing undertaking, because the place was it, it was. I mean, she didn't say it, but it sounded like it was something out of a what was the movie uh, in Australia where everybody everything was dead and they they all just became animals. She said it was, it was almost like that, and uh, I mean, I, there, there's like kind of no history that I um, until she mentioned that. Of what it was like the first like year after the war, before improvements started to be made in these these cities that had been bombed out and stuff. I mean, I, I don't think we'd even conceive of something like that, Lou. I mean, I can't. I hope we well, never do. Well, uh, you know, I, let me let me tell you, I, as somebody who just finished traveling through East, what was East Germany, and and uh, Czechoslovakia, if you talk to the people who lived through that period. That's what it was like. I mean, without the without the assistance, because the Russians looked at that whole area as deserving whatever happened to it. 
and and they they did not come in and rebuild infrastructure. They did not come in and try to help people. They did not come in and try to deal with the horrific social costs that that war had imposed in that area, even though they were occupying it. And I understand some of the motivation because Russia suffered terribly, um, more much more than we did um, by by you know as a result of the war. A lot of it's self-imposed, but but they're self-inflicted. But but I understand that that feeling. But but if you want if you want to find out what it was like, you know, when our guys went in there and we started rebuilding, if, you know, if you want to find out what it was like before that, you could go into East Germany, you know, 15 years after the war get a pretty you know outside of the major cities you get a pretty good idea okay so uh let's cover this thing with ukraine yesterday uh or what i mean not just yesterday but the guy was here yesterday uh i, I listened to a little bit of it um and i want to talk about some of these numbers uh, these labor numbers but i want to get more about carl on that because there's, there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on in these labor numbers it is that is very routine lou and it is Really, nothing to do with with the presidency. I mean, I don't know how much they. Uh, in my opinion, they. Did, I think that the bureaucracy just creeps along and does kind of weird stuff. But anyway, what, what, so what do you make of uh, what? What are they doing? I mean, Angelica sends me pictures once in a while. Our, our former producer, and she'll show me because she's from what's the city was just retaken, Kiev. How do you? How do you uh, uh, yeah, and uh, and she showed show me a picture of like her school, and it's all rubble, and the hospital she was born in, it's all rubble, that kind of thing. So I mean, I guess they're 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 pushing back and maybe even militarily turning the turning the bus around. But every every shell that lands still lands on their property. So it's not you know it's not like you're you're, you're winning, but you're not winning all the all the way. Uh, yeah. So so let what what's happening right now is the Ukrainians are you know they had a they had a big push in the in the southern part of the of the front. Where they liberated Kherson and drove the Russians back across the the Dnipro, I believe it's the Dnipro River. Um, okay, so that that there's still shelling going on there. The Russians have, have made a a, a feint uh, into into the northern part of the front around a, a place called Bakhmut. Uh, they're they're fighting there. Uh, a lot of shelling going on. The, the Ukrainians continue to resist, but uh, you know again at a at a cost. I mean, they're killing a lot of Russians, but they're suffering. They're suffering uh, some casualties themselves. Both sides are doing a lot of artillery strikes and, and you know heavy weapon strikes on on each other's um, front line forces. The Russians continue to strategically hit Ukrainian uh, power and uh, and support facilities, basically in an effort to make the winter as miserable as possible for the population and try to cut Zelensky's resolve out from under it. What you saw last night from Zelensky was, you know, basically uh, a, a request to, to start World War III. Um, you know, to, to use U.S. forces to to put a no-fly zone over over the top of Ukraine, to put hair trigger uh, hair trigger forces on alert that would respond to to any kind of of significant Russian incursion, and and effectively to assist. The Ukrainians with with more training, more support, you know, to the again with enough fly zone to the extent of putting American combat troops in there or NATO combat troops in there, um, and kick the Russians out and and depose Putin. I mean, that's what he asked for. He wants us to depose Vladimir Putin. Um, I understand that. 
I mean, he's a he's a no holds barred, total victory, you know, guy. I think he understands that from the Russian perspective, and this is my opinion only as somebody who follows stuff over there, the Russians are not going to stop going after Ukraine ever. They view, the, the Russian elites view Ukraine as a, a breakaway republic. They, they do not view it as a separate country. They view it as properly part of Russia. And they, the, the, the people driving that country's leadership will not, are not interested in ever accepting a status quo that has Ukraine outside of Russia. And to the extent, so, so to, and I think Zelensky understands this. So to the extent that, you know, we talk about ceasefires or stabilizing or whatever, all that will be is an interlude in Russia's constant military and economic pressure on on Ukraine. And so we have to understand if we we operate from that from that perspective and I think that's the correct one, then then I think I think that changes our, our calculations on how long we're in on this and 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 what you know what we need to be doing in the long term versus getting everything to, to settle down with the idea that if we you know ceasefire imposed that that will we'll end up with a, a relatively stable situation. It, it ain't going to be like that. Well, what happened? <clears throat> going back in uh, history, I mean, you might actually remember this. Uh, what what happened? What happened internally in Russia? You say they're always in for the long haul, and I'm not going to disagree with you. But somehow or another, they turned. They <clears throat> they eventually turned tail in Afghanistan. Now, what caused that? Was there a regime change in Russia, or did? Did the, did the guy who started the war all of a sudden say this was a bad idea and pull out and still somehow manage to save face? It's a Asian term, but I mean, or was did it need a regime change? I mean, all, all of a sudden they just said the hell that we're out like us. Um, well, I, I think they I think they assessed that the the cost and, and you remember this was Gorbachev, so this is not this is not Putin. You know, Gorbachev's viewed by Putin as a traitor. Yeah, I I, I get um, that. So. So, so this is Gorbachev who, who who made the calculation and said, "What are we doing here? What what is our national interest in Afghanistan versus our national interest in in you know fronting our the the people or facing down the people in NATO and and rebuilding the the, the society that I want to build?" You know, he said, "The Afghanistan Afghanistan is old style Soviet thinking. Let let's let's start you know putting in some new style Soviet thinking." So that we can we can strengthen our country, and I think he looked at Afghanistan just as a you know a bleeding wound that wasn't healing, and they weren't making progress, and uh, and he said you know that that's uh, that's enough. You know, we don't we don't it's not worth it's not worth whatever we're losing there to stay there. It's a it's a backward country. It's always going to be a backward country, and and it's it's you know it's run by a, a theocratic you know tribal system that that is is readily supplied with with weapons via Pakistan or you know and, and so you know what are we what are we doing over here are we are, are we willing to make the you know the long-term commitment to, to take over the country and they weren't neither were we well I mean I guess if uh, my question is that that's not that's not the same they don't look they don't they, Afghanistan is outside their normal sphere of influence in terms of in terms of, of you know territorial control, Ukraine is not. 
Well, as you're talking, Mike keeps uh, texting me, and he said he's agreeing with you 100% that the cost-benefit analysis did not support Afghanistan. But I think you, what you're saying is the difference is Gorbachev fought that way, more like me, which you always tell me is nowhere near like Putin. He th- he thinks more like me than Putin. Putin doesn't evidently doesn't care. So it's it I means Zelensky's for, probably for right. Putin, it's, it's for Putin, for Putin, and and again, and not just Putin, the Russian elites as well. This this is something you know. Again, you and I, you and I don't think like this. The Russian elites do. This is a historically historically part of the Russian Empire. There is no Ukraine as a separate country. It's a fiction, and so and so. Uh, you know, properly, Ukraine belongs to Russia. Russia can should be able to take it. They've got this rebel faction there of Nazis and and drug dealers and corrupt political officials that are country dry. This is the Russian version, and and so uh, you know, we it's it's our obligation to bring it back under to bring it back under Russian control. But they do. But they did. They, they're the ones that let it go. They did let it go, though. I mean, there's documents that said they let it go, right? Oh no, no, I, they, they did, and that was that was forced on them. Again, I'm giving you the Russian narrative now. That was forced on them by Western powers who were trying to destroy Russia, and so and so Russia's coming back, and the first step in coming back. This is very much like the way China looks at Taiwan. Well, I guess you could look at if the British should look at uh, letting the U.S. go was forced on them by the French. I mean, I, <laughs> we wouldn't like them coming back now. It's been a while. I'm just, I'm just telling you yeah. what the narrative is. The narrative yep. is that the Western powers bled Russia dry through the traitor Gorbachev and then and then economically wrecked Russia, tried to keep Russia subjugated, and it wasn't until Putin and its people got control that, that Russia started standing up on its own two feet again and, and asserting itself. And the NATO for, NATO doesn't like that. Um, Russia naturally reaches out to, to regain control of, of some portions of its, of its territory that it, it lost as a result of NATO uh, manipulation. And, and now Russia's engaged in a war with NATO, a proxy war, a war with NATO. They don't view it as Ukraine. They view it as a war with NATO over over what should be just undisputed Russian territory. All right, well, here's, here's my... As, as, as people, uh, <clears throat> as societies age... I mean, it's the same issue that I have here in the U.S. I mean, because people, I don't think people ever really change, Lou. Uh, I should never have read all those Greek tragedies because I figured out, here it is, how many thousand years ago, and people act the same way as they do now. Uh, well, hubris, hubris is a very powerful thing. So, my, my question here is, we, we know, I mean, you're, you're, you and uh, Michael keeps um, thankfully tweeting me, we know that uh, China is a problem. Okay, in their in their in their view of the world, their view of people, their view of everything, it's it's definitely not our way of dealing with people in the world. We know they're a problem. We also know that they're willing to enforce their view on other people, or appear to be, and and they're not afraid to do that. They're doing that with the Uyghurs. They're doing it with other people. Yet somehow or another, I'm not going to say we've gotten soft. We have a whole bunch of people. If they can make a buck over in China, are willing to go there tomorrow. I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm not doing anything like that. But we've gotten to the point where if we all of a sudden said, look, we're, we're just going to screw these people because we don't want them to have the money to build submarines that they can someday shoot at us, we're just, we're just going to be out. Well, I'll tell you what, the, the crowd lined up in front of the Oval Office, no matter who's there, Republican or Democrat, they'd be there with pitchforks, basically. 
because I mean the, the amount of money that the powerful people in this country have invested in China, Lou, you and I can't even imagine. Yet, Chief, but I'm you saying, and I talked about, and I don't want to get into too long a discussion on this point because we've talked about this before. No, no, just, just let me let me finish for a sec. Let me finish. Okay. For, what I'm saying is, to a certain extent, that has happened in Russia. A lot of guys that Putin thinks are really his boys, and maybe they are, are his boys because they've made a boatload of money in the last 10 years and have the biggest yachts in the world. I don't know that they are willing, and, and the, on the bottom end of it, they've become crooked capitalists or whatever the hell they are. I don't think they want to knuckle down and never have their yacht, and all of a sudden all the money that actually has to go to bullets, they can't. They they can't buy better booze for their their boat. I mean, I don't know. I don't. Does he really have? It seems to me that the. I don't know if he has a whole lot. Are these guys? Is it all false support, or is it support as long as he's alive? I mean, if, if he died tomorrow, would they all say, "Okay, we're getting out of Ukraine and let's go back to being regular people"? Not regular, but people in the world view. Where we can actually cash a check and get money out of a Swiss bank. I mean, I, I mean, I, how the the support, like you say, seems solid, but is it really? So, so the guys you're talking about, the oligarchs, the, the real powerful people, have had it made very clear to them, even though they might be, quote, global citizens with no particular interest in Russian alignment to Russia, much like our global citizens who have no alignment to the United right. States. Right, same, same thing, I think. Yes. Um, he's made it very clear to those people that if you want to come back in here, if you want your family to, to, to prosper, you're going to have to support me. And and but his support does not derive from those people. I mean, some of that is coerced, but his his support is is much deeper than that. His support is within the the tens of thousands of of Russian uh, senior bureaucrats, senior level political people, and and uh, senior management that that live and work in Russia, who who absolutely believe what I just described for you in terms of their worldview and 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 it's it's supported it's supported not by but tr- trust me if they were winning in ukraine right now you he'd, he'd be he'd be a national hero but how but i guess i how, how much i mean how much does a guy in vladivostok really give a crap about ukraine for god's sake i mean the place is so big it's so spread out i mean i, I don't even get the i know i but that you don't you don't understand i mean again this is the kind of nationalism that the Russians have that we used to have. Is it? But I'm, I guess I'm saying, is it all? Is it all veneer? That these, that these no, bureaucrats no, really it's care? Not, it's not veneer. It's not veneer. It's it's deep deep seated and historically strong. And and he this is Putin is drawing on this. This is one of the reasons why, despite the horrific casualties and everything else, there has not been any kind of credible move to take him down. Well, I think there's a lot of people that would wish he was down. I, oh, I think I think so, but but not within Russia. Are you hearing any rumors since you do listen to all these Russian things? I'm, I, I've a couple of listeners have sent stuff in that he's going sort of a mini Hitler on us, where he's got ten pills a day he's taken and so forth, and he's more and more isolated. Is that happening? Did you, did you see him? Did you see him come down the steps when he was in uh, Belarus? No. He bounded. Oh, and really? That's the word I'm looking for. He bounded down the steps, jumped to the to the tarmac from like the second step, and and vibrantly walked up, shook hands, seemed perfectly in tune with with how to respond. By the way, it's a wonderful welcoming ceremony because they they have two women there dressed in native Belarus costumes, but they're offering him bread and salt. 
which is the classic, I mean, it's, it's just wonderful to see. That's the classic, you know, Russian greeting for a visitor to your, to your home. Um, and he, he, you know, he did all the right stuff. Contrast him with that fool we've got in the White House now, which I'm sure is what he wanted, and, and you know, who, who can, looks doddering every time he's out. And, and I think I think that was exactly the impression that he he wanted to create. Now he didn't get what he wanted in Belarus, but but he may eventually. Now, when you say salt, do you just hand him a, a a package of Morton's? No, no, it's a pile pile of salt next to the bread. It's pretty cool. Just any old kind of salt, iodized or not. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna assume it's got iodine just because of the radiation issues. God. Blue, take care of yourself. Merry Christmas, buddy. Talk at you next week. That's me just down. Hello. NASA Futures down 39. Be back, Mr. Danjanitas. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Well, we're back, Stacks and Jacks. I'm, I'm somehow Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 850, NASDAQ Futures down 39. Was that? Was that? Is that Credence? Who is that? Yep, that's it. That's what I thought. Boy, <clears throat> uh, well, it's, my memory's fading, but uh, 
those, those uh, I think I saw those guys in concert of all places. Um, do we have Mr. Dan? Oh, we do. I'm here. <laughs> Andrew, you're never going to guess. Well, here's here's one for old guy, young guy. You're never going to guess where I saw those guys in concert. Mm. Do you remember? Do you remember? Yeah. Remember, yeah, remember? Even remember the name, the International Amphitheater. Oh wow! Yeah, boy, talk about it. It's been down for like forever. It was the big, uh, the big, the big uh, exhibition hall by the Chicago Stockyards. Oh, crazy! Yeah, so I Dan, actually saw them in concert two years ago. Where I hope in a better place. Well, actually, you know that was pretty good for a concert, wasn't that big? It was nice. Yeah, absolutely. They were uh, they were pretty good. Uh, so Dan, we have uh, like five hours of stuff to talk about today, but we have a half hour, so I'll try and huh. I'll try and. Uh, we for, the first I guess is I have a lot of uh, clients who, um, you know, certainly based on a lot of your advice, three months ago and, uh, and some of them thirty days ago, put some money into T bills that are 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 coming due. And our, my first instinct is to say let's give it another three months on the on the T bill stuff. And I was just going to run that by you. Uh, sure. I mean, this these are you know like I said if if all of a sudden we have spectacular things to uh, trade between now and then. We can certainly, uh, uh, you know, we can sell them. I mean, it's not like, or they're they're ninety percent marginable or ninety five or something. So it's not like you can't buy something if you want to. Right. Uh, so yeah. So so um, the the team, what's happening with T bills is really interesting, and as in, you know, as we've been saying for the last few weeks, rates have been changing very quickly, and the yield curve has been changing very quickly, which means that rates are higher. So you know, we were buying yesterday. Um, a five-month uh, U.S. T-bill. It's an off-the-run T-bill, but but if you ask for the Treasury bills that mature on May 25th of 2023, uh, which is just about five months, you'll get 460, and that's about the peak of what you get if you look out, like that's about the highest rate that you're going to get. You could go another week um, into June 1st. If you get the June 1st T-bills, you might get 463, and you know, if you go, I think the highest that we found is is at the end of June, June twenty second, two thousand twenty three, and that would be a six month, and you get four sixty five, and then the yields start going down. So the longer you go out, you know, the one year is at four sixty, the two years at four twenty. Um, so where you want to be, the ideal spot to get the most yield is five months to six months. Well, we've right been now, out, so that, we've been going to the auction. Um, because we don't even even the tiny little spread that you pay to get one in the open market, we have not been paying. Uh, you find that not a problem? We we try not even. Yeah, we could do, you, you, you could go to auction on the six month. I think that would be the, what my recommendation would be now is to lock in the six month. We don't know what's going to happen yet at the next meeting. It's still a long ways off. It's not until the first uh, few days of February, the next Fed meeting. So. If we have more good news in the economy and news showing inflation coming down and um, news showing the labor situation improving and all that, if we have more good news, rates will actually, um, you're not going to see as, you know, rates will kind of continue to to um, come down. And even if we have bad news, rates are going to continue to come down because it, we're going to have what we call a flight to quality. And um, people are reaching to yield as an alternative to, you know, dividend stocks or, or stocks in general or, or, or high, you know, 
growth stocks right now. So because you can get a decent yield, and you know, it's, um, as you may know or don't know, um, Interactive Brokers is currently paying three point eight three percent on cash. So you could also sit in cash for a little while if you have a a large enough amount and collect a fairly decent interest rate. Then see, like get let, get a little more economic data in the first part of the year. But for those people who are looking to, you know, they want to set some money aside, or they want to make a purchase, or they want to pay something off, uh, you know, a mortgage off or something, this is a good time to to you know buy. I would say either to hold a little bit in cash or to buy some um, six months uh, T bills. Now the other thing. That I mentioned is, and it's interesting. I had a client asked me, you know, a question about her, her holding either a CD or a UST bill, and I went through with her the same thing that I'll mention right now. If you, you know, CDs, you often lock in the rate. So um, some CDs do allow you to um, to sell and, and you know, like move into the higher rate if rates go up, but usually there's only one time without a penalty. So she was talking about something close to, you know, a five-year CDD close to 5% because she just wanted to walk, set aside some money. Now, that's good. But what's even better would be buying the U.S. Treasury bills, the six-month U.S. Treasury bills. If if the rates go down, you're going to make more than the 465 or whatever that you're getting. If rates go higher, you can buy more. Right. So, so and you can sell at any time. So you really... You know, you don't lose on the short end. It's, it's actually a good way to um, make some extra money during a period where the stock market's having a lot of volatility, and there's you know there's a lot of mixed messages and uncertainty. And then I go to the next step after that is if you want to add a little more yield. We've talked about some of the names I've mentioned. Um, the one that this week seems to have sold off a little bit that looks like a good buy is OMF. It's one main financial. It's part of the American Financial Group. OMF, uh, the uh, coupon is five and five eighths, due uh, March 15th of 23. So less than a three month corporate bond that's money good, building 625. Um, it was, you want to buy it less than 100, less than par. And you get it less than par, you're going to get a 625. Um, Yield to maturity, yield to a three month maturity. So that's a nice um, pickup on a um, you know a money good bond. Uh, we also we've talked about ADT, the security home security business. They have a four and an eighth um, bond due six fifteen twenty three. That bond is going to give you close to six percent now. So um, again, you want to buy that one less than ninety nine and a half. You don't want to pay more than par for a bond because you lose that. Uh, you might pay a tiny bit more than par, but be very careful because you're, you're going to lose some of your yield, your yield to maturity, which is what your, or which is really what your return is. Right. Plus, you don't want to be. Well, it's hard to mess around with one that uh, the spread is wide because we've been putting bids in the middle on some of the stuff, and we haven't been getting a whole lot of, even like two hundred grand for some people, and there's been no 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 takers. Yeah, it's it's it, it's some of its timing, you know, and it's uh, watching the interactive. I, you know, we we're able to see both sides. We're able to see the amount that's available on both sides of the trade, and sometimes it works where you can put it in the middle. You know, you can put a um, 
you're, you know, you can try to buy them in the middle and if, of the spread, and, and uh, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but also, um, you know, we had talked about SVC, which is Services Corp, and that one is is, is giving you a pretty, um, you know, for a three month um, bond, that's giving you like close to seven percent, six and a half to seven percent. So there, there are some good, solid corporate bonds. These are rated mostly rated double B to triple B. And you you know you can pick up some decent yields on the short end. So that as a way to enhance that yield with your with your T bills, you know those would be a few names to add to your portfolio. Um, on the preferreds that we've mentioned, or a couple of the other names that we've mentioned, um, you know the DRD Gold has done very very well. I mean we were buying it at six, and you know we sold it a little bit at seven twenty five yesterday. And that's the name that I continue to like. I think it's good to have that exposure, and it does pay. You know, there's a decent dividend on that. It's was, the dividend yield was close to six percent. Uh, obviously, the dividend yield goes down as the price goes up, but it still pays a decent dividend. And then we talked about Genie Energy preferred stock, which has also gone up since we. What's we the uh, what's the symbol in it? it? What's the symbol in it? G N E, and it's the preferred. And it's uh, you know, it was, and we were buying it in the you know like nine three quarter range, and now it's in the like ten thirty ten forty range. Um, but that's that name, you know, is it's an it's an energy um, company that does retail distribution of natural gas, um, but it also has a section that does solar energy, uh, a growing part of their business that's invested in solar power. So. They kind of have both. They have two businesses. I think that are both doing well, or and both in uh, you know good place right now to be. So, uh, so yeah, T bills. I think continue to buy the yields. When we look at the next Fed meeting, you know, maybe twenty five basis points, it maybe fifty, maybe nothing. Um, the inflation data, and this is something that we've talked about, Tom. Is the inflation data that's coming in is mixed. And I even heard something this morning talking about the jobs data and, and just the fact you really can't rely on some of these uh, studies that come out. You really have what to do, you, what do, you make you know, of this, uh, do your homework. Well, Carl's not on until tomorrow. What do you make of this Philly Fed thing with a million jobs? <clears throat> yeah, I and mean, that's what I'm that's what I'm talking about. It's just crazy. It's you know the accuracy of that data. You know um, you have to just be very careful in terms of looking at it. And, and what we try to do is go a little deeper and actually try to look at some of the data. Or what we do is we try to look at other information from other sources and try to match it up and see how consistent it is. In many cases, it's not. And there, you know, the way I'm saying things right now is there's some there are some industries that are still having trouble finding labor. So, you know, looking for work, and if we had a legalized immigration system that might help <laughs> legalized immigration system, we might be able to fill some of those jobs. And then on the other side, we have some companies like Tech Names that are laying off, and it's just, it's not just Tesla and Facebook, it's, you know, Meta, it's... It's everybody, other, it's everybody. It's everybody on that side. So so there, there's sort of mixed messages, or there's a mixed um, situation right now on the labor side, so... It is industry dependent and actually company dependent. By uh, you know, we can almost see because we've been in the business for so long and we understand how the economy works. We can see what would work, and um, it just doesn't seem like the administration is is supporting the you know the the best measures to try to get this you know well, job mismatch 
you know, let me, place. Let me interject a couple of things, Dan, and, 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 and you know this, but I think it's somewhat of, of maybe new to the listeners, and we'll talk more about this tomorrow with Carl, but uh, the household survey that, that Biden, the Biden administration, and, and if we were president, we'd be touting it too. I mean, you know, the, the, the household survey, excuse, excuse me, the establishment survey is the number that comes out every month. It's the headline number. Oh, man, there's 200,000 new jobs. Orders, 50,000 orders. We lost some. That's that is derived from firms, okay. Hence the name establishment. So you call PTI and you say, "How many people do you have?" Well, we got six. Okay, well, th- did you hire anybody this month? We hired one. Okay, that's a that's a new job. All right. So the person we hired might might be working. He might be working for us from seven to twelve, and he's going somewhere else from one to whatever, working at Menards. We, we don't have anybody like that. But uh, now if you call Menards. They're going to say, "Yeah, we got this guy working at Menards." All right, so you, you've you've added a job. Now, if you called his house, well, I'm going to sound old here. His wife answers the phone. Is anybody working? Yeah, Joe's working. Okay, then <laughs> it's one. So the establishment counts multiple jobs. The household survey does not. And now, last month, Carl came out and 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 talked about how the household survey actually had three hundred thousand less jobs, even though the other guys were what two fifty the positive. Right. Uh, and around holiday season, a lot of people pick up a second or even third yeah. job these days. Absolutely. So, yep. p- plus, there's something, uh, Dan, that I mean, I'm sure you, you've, you've heard about, you know about, but it's not something you think about every day because I don't either. There's actually, if you if you think if you think about it, well, we're all thinking about it. In in, in good times, uh, you know, the Dan Chief Andrew uh, housing firm is probably going to have. Instead of building one house at a time, we're going to build two, maybe three. All of a sudden, now we go out and hire some electricians, and we hire you know plumbers, and God knows what else we need, car- carpenters, and and these people are going to be more than likely 1099 employees and not what W two employees. So we're not going to be employees, employees. So if somebody's sitting on the sofa, the only time that the government counts them because they're probably not going to call us, you know, and ask how many people are working because we're too low on the totem pole. Uh, they're not going to know until next. January, February, till the, right. till the person sends his check-in. So there's a there's a group in Washington. I don't know how many people are in this little minor think tank that somehow keep estimate how. Well, I guess what I'm saying, Dan, is when is when things are expanding, they're always expanding more than people think they're expanding because people are getting hired that are not being counted. And when things are slowing down, it's always slowing down way more than people think it's. Okay, okay. Then the numbers will tell the government. And I think in the last year, in the last six months for sure, despite the, the bleeps on TV to keep talking about maybe a minor recession, we are in one. The, the layoffs, right. the slowdown is dramatic. And it, and it showed in the last month's labor numbers if you look at the other chart. So right. it doesn't surprise me. Well, I'm saying this other thing, back when we came out of 2009 and 2010 and we were in the total doldrums of a recession, somebody, and I don't think it was Obama, he just got there. Somebody came out and said, "This and this adjustment's made once a year. This how many people we think are are being added to the roles at places that we don't norm- normally count, small businesses and so forth that are paying people on a 1099 basis. There's an estimate that somebody makes on that, and I think the adjustment is either once or twice a year. That's a Carl question. And they came out in the one year, Obama administration, and they added to the economy because in their ridiculously ignorant estimate." Those people, 
that area was growing. And you and I know that in 2009, there was nobody being hired as a as a right, as, yeah, as, right. as a as a carpenter as an electrician. So I'm get, there. There are there are there is slop in this system. Uh, some of it might be people doing it on purpose, but just the way they do things, there's going to be slop. There's a huge difference. And if it, counting somebody with two jobs and counting them with one job, there's a huge difference. If if all of a sudden, you know, you get hired tomorrow, I don't know if we're, we're too old for this, Dan, to go be an electrician somewhere. Nobody knows that until January. So I mean, there, it's not like people can't rig the system, but the system is just sloppy to begin with because it's a big system. Or more my wrong here? Yeah, and I think that you're making a good point that has that has also been the same point that a number of my clients and friends will call me and say, hey, you know, I'm hearing this and then I'm hearing that. And what is, you know, what do you pay attention to? And I said, you got to be careful with these studies because the way they're created uh, may not include certain groups or it may, you know, it may, there might be a delay in the data. And, and it's interesting, for the first time I can remember in my career, this has become very paramount that, that, that a lot of other people are noticing it that are coming to me saying, well, what's really going on? The people I rely on that I think are probably the best source for this information are the companies themselves. So because it's part of our process to talk to senior management of all the companies that we invest in and that we're looking at, those questions will come up. And very often what I'm hearing from them is quite different than what this, the labor statistic is saying. So I think I mentioned this about a month ago that a friend of mine who's a corporate lawyer in New York said that they were having trouble finding people um, it was very hard to get good talent, um, and that you had to, you know, you were you were fighting with people who not fighting, but you were, you were competing with people who are willing to let some of the lawyers work from home and his uh, do the or do the hybrid work, and then his his firm didn't want to, but they had to just to compete. So there's definitely still some labor issues going on, and I don't think they're necessarily being um, uh, you know broadcast or, or presented to the uh, public um, by the media in a way to let people understand, you know, to really have a good understanding. And I do agree with you. The, the numbers the numbers are not accurate. I mean, the numbers become old very quickly. Well, they're, they're, they're accurate, uh, Dan. They're just not, they're just not, let, let, let give me a, a very basic example. There's somebody who used to be one of the engineers on the show, went to school, became a, uh, I don't know, does something with the computer code, edits it or doesn't, who knows, I, I know nothing about computer code. Anyway, she was hired by a very big firm right out of school, and uh, and now when I understand that group or her is getting laid off in January. Now, if this was a a two year project where you picked up, you know, Dan Janitis's consulting firm to come in and and put in a whole new program for the place, and it was and it was just a project, and everybody was hired there as as people for two years, and that's how long it was going to take. I'm going to say she would have been paid. On a, on a 1099 basis, and it was not an employee. So now when she leaves in January, if that's the case, she was there over a year, so probably she got picked up on a household survey someplace if somebody ever called her house and said, yeah, I'm working. But she was never counted at the big company where she actually went every day and did stuff because she was right. part of another group. Right. And the day she's gone, she'll never be considered laid off, but she is. I'm, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the way they do that. You won't know now till next year when she if she doesn't get another job. She, next year you'll find out, hey, where would this person's taxes go? They're nowhere. So I mean, it's it's sloppy. And, and, and you and I know that there are a lot of big companies now. They'll hire contract people for some of their 
back office yeah. and for th- these contract people are never counted anywhere in, right, in, exactly. in check and that has become a bigger there's there's more firms that are outsourcing a lot of uh, the functions and, and you're exactly right Th- those aren't being counted so it's difficult to get a true a true uh understanding and, and some reason for some reasons depending on the industry the companies are outsourcing because they can't find people so they're not having a choice or it's too expensive to, to hire people uh full-time they can't pay benefits so yeah there is a lot more to the data that i think um you know some people say oh i just heard this on the news but if you got to go a little further i think and that's what we do i mean like we you do it and we do it too in terms of like i said i find the managers to be a really good source of that information the other <clears throat> issue that's related and um, you know it's also trying to get a good handle on inflation um you know besides just going to the grocery store or if you are looking for a car right now i think you'll know that that inflation is not gone um that, yeah. and uh, i think it was a comax that just came out with um that uh you know did, did not perform particularly well and really it's an issue of affordability so there's there it's still going on this is still exists and i think um, we just need to pay attention to um you know, we are doing our homework. We, meaning you and I, are doing our homework. Um, but I think, in terms of uh, the listeners and the investors, I think you have to really pay attention to the whole picture. You know, rather than just taking an a piece of information or one source of information and saying, "Hey, this is the way it is." Well, Dan, I got two quick ones to say. You don't have that much time, but when I have to get my quarterly assessment on on a Chinese debt and how much of it's performing, because you're my source. But regarding the inflation part. Some, some of it has gotten so, I'll say, institutionalized. I mean, in Chicago area right yep. now, gas prices are down, let's say, a buck, maybe yep. more, maybe a buck and a quarter. And that, now, that's a good thing. And yet everybody that I know that got their gas bill, even though gas is under $6, for God's sake, uh, got their gas bill, has it 25 30 35% higher than last year. Your entire savings you just saved in gasoline is now you're being sent into, sent into people's gas. And, that, and that's never going to change. Even though the other stuff comes down, it is—it's very—it's in, very insidious on people, and it, it, it's not only crept up; it's—it's it's in your shorts now. It's and it's not coming down, and it's—it uh, doesn't it doesn't matter if natural gas goes to one dollar, 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 whatever it is, or how many BTUs. These people have locked themselves in with these states and have got these prices up. Same way with hospitals, same with these other areas. So, yeah, some stuff I think is coming down. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm going to say that I always, when I have nothing better to do in an hour, uh, Dan, I look around at used trucks because I love trucks. Yeah. They are they are clearly down from three months ago if somebody actually wants to sell one. now. But they were they were coming down from a price that was absurd, and they're still pretty high. The, the price level is still, I mean, if you look at it as an inflation this month over last month or the month before, there's no question that it has stopped and actually is receding a tad, which we saw in the last month's CPI numbers. But the price level is still dramatic compared to two years ago, and right, still way exactly. too much for somebody, and still way too much than anybody. So we're into this, you know. We, we can, we, if you go up fifty percent and down one percent, the problem's not over. <laughs> I mean, I, you can declare it over. You, you can declare the increase over, but you can't declare the problem over. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. Uh, I would call. <clears throat> I would call an issue of affordability that there's still. Yeah. You know this issue of affordability, and that's going to continue to. Um, you know, we're going to see affordability being an issue for you know the foreseeable future uh, until we do start seeing like more dramatic, um, you know, more, more 
a more dramatic shift. So I think there's still there's still some time before that happens, and I think that's why we're not more unlikely to see this uh, word called pivot happen. Um, I think we're more likely to see you know maybe a small increase in, in the Fed funds rate at the next meeting, um, but we are likely to see rates continue to track higher. And these issues, both the labor issue and the inflation issue and the affordability issue, are going to continue into the into the new year. Well, Dan, I looked at uh, we'll, we'll talk about an old one. I looked at rail car loadings; they're yeah. down like two two point seven percent year over year, and containers are down seven. How the hell are you not in a recession when your shipments are down two and three and four and five percent? Absolutely. Hey, uh, real, real quick, we don't have much time. Give me a short synopsis, or we can talk about it next week if you want. What's going on with uh, dollar-denominated debt in China? Do you want to push this to next week? Well, I think we, we can talk more about it next week. We, as I've mentioned to you before, are, are very cautious about investing in China, period. You know, whether it's a company that's, um, that's based there, that has um, ADRs or bonds that are, that are denominated in U.S. dollars, I would really stay away from the property market. I know that there's talk about the, you know, the country opening up more um, after some of the COVID lockdowns. Yeah, you probably could make a little money in the short short run. No, here, no, no, no my know, question was, play, but you really got to do your research. You really got to understand the culture. I don't really totally understand the culture, and I don't think that the. I still think there's some better investments here where you can get more yield. And you can have you can sleep easier at night. Well, the next I don't want to hear a political news next week. Yeah. You know the, the, that seems to change week to week. And I mean, it's you know from an I'm saying this from an investment point of view that I really don't trust you know um, Chinese investments. Well, next week from let's talk a little bit about because you're I mean I don't expect you to have a huge focus on this, but your ear is closer to the ground on it. How many of these things are not performing? I mean, is it, is it become yeah. a problem? Let's talk about that a little next week. I'll try and do some research. Yeah, too. we will. And, and the thing is, we will talk about it and how it affects the bond market. And then, you know, looking at the bond market uh, overseas versus you know investing in, in the fixed income market here in the United States. Well, Dan, you have a great holiday, buddy. Yeah, you Even though, no, here, you, you guys are cold too. You know, not that we're laughing yeah, well, about. Yeah, it will be this weekend, so we'll have a little bit. Of, and hey, that's fine with me. I'll just be, be careful. You don't have ice in the swimming pool when you jump in. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> SB Futures down 20, right, NASDAQ Futures down 85. I'll be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. 
We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Low number base stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Allen. Andrew on the board. SP Futures down 18 now. We're just down 20, so well, we're in lieu of giving up some of yesterday here, which we didn't want to do. NASDAQ Futures down 78. I'm still a little bullish, a little long for my guys. I thought we might actually continue a little rally at the end of the year. We still might, but it's going to look good right this second. Dow Futures down 69. Uh, over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 40. That's 0.3%. FTSE up 31.4%. Kakaron down 16.2%, so kind of a mixed bag over there. Uh, over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 120.4%. Uh, Shanghai down 14.5%. But this is the one. Hang Seng up 518, 2.7%. Uh, 19,679, and I, I, let me get the the uh, Hang Seng Index here. Um, let me see where this thing was. We were down to uh, under 15,000 in uh, the last week of October. And here we are in December. We've gone from 14-something and something. I'm going to say 14.5. We're up 5,000 points. That's 33% in, what is that, seven weeks? Andrews, my math right? Seven weeks. That's that's uh that's kind of a bit. Um, as a review of yesterday, uh, we we had the the Dow was up uh, five twenty six. That was one point six percent. S and P up fifty six. Nasdaq down one sixty two. So right now we're giving up, eh, maybe maybe thirty percent of it. Uh, we'll see if that if that holds. Uh, bonds, your ten year yield uh, down one basis point three point six seven. The bond up seven. 2.63, they're actually trying to almost catch, you know, they're moving up faster than we are, which is sort of bizarre. Japan, however, which popped at a 0.49 yesterday, and they're, they're going to let it go maybe to 50, and uh, today it's 0.40, so it's actually down 7 basis points today, which is kind of a surprise. Oil, up 87 cents, it's 1%, 79.16. Brent up 81 cents, 83.01. Natural gas, down 7 cents, 5.25, which makes the gas bills people are getting here in Chicago really absurd. 
Arbab up a penny to 227. We've got gold up 210, 1827. Silver up down 22 cents, 2397. Copper down a penny, 379. Boy, a real lot of people are bullish copper next year. I don't know if that if they're right or or all of a sudden one guy was bullish and now they're all bullish. So I got some of my people along some of the copper stocks protected. So we're we're hoping it sneaks up some. We think the metals might actually move a little bit, but I'm not looking for some massive rally. Somebody day was talking for gold at four thousand. I think that's kind of a pipe dream. I'd be I'd be happy with nineteen hundred. Uh, crypto, Bitcoin's up twenty five bucks, sixteen seven ninety four, still under seventeen thousand. The U.S. dollar uh, against the euro, it's like unchanged. However, the, the uh, it's up, it's up against the pound. The pound's down fifty six, almost 05 percent. So the, the the pound is down, and the British market is up. So they're they're uh, not like the rest of Europe. Andrew, what do you got for us? Trevi, weather, sports, and we'll get to Jan. All right. Uh, it is 7.37 here in Chicago on December 22nd. Uh, starting off with sports tonight uh, in the NFL, the Jaguars are going to be playing the Jets for some Thursday night football at 7.15 p.m. Over to the NBA, last night the Bulls played the Hawks, and the Bulls won, winning 110-108. to And finally for NFL, the Blackhawks played the Predators last night, losing 4-2. to and the Coyotes lost to the Golden Knights, losing 5-2. to Now for Chicago weather, uh, still about the same as it was the last hour. Uh, right now at 31 degrees, going to have a high of just 33 today. And we're going to expect the heavy snow, temperature drops, and wind hit around 12 to 1 p.m. Uh, over in Phoenix, though, things are looking pretty clear. Uh, over at 40 degrees, clear, with a high of 66 for the day. Now for Chicago traffic, I'm guessing this is because of the weather, but it is barely anything different from the first hour. Um, just a little bit more traffic on the expressways, but nothing in the red. Um, the only thing to still note is that the uh, on the inbound I-57, the exit ramp to Halstead Street is still closed to that police investigation. So that's all I got. Back to the, you. Uh, that's an area I get on every Sunday, too. Right, right, right in that exit. It's, it's very uh, reassuring, don't you think, Jan? Uh it's, how are you? I, uh, uh, just in terms of behavioral things, because you're kind of a behavioral sort of guy, if it's five below tomorrow morning, will we not have a shooting on an expressway and some big investigation? Well, that, that's always kind of the, you know, the, the routine thinking is that if the, if the temperature is 98, you know, the shootings jump. Um, and when things are, are cold and nasty, people tend to stay indoors. I don't think so, and I certainly don't think that the, the property crimes are likely to de- decline. If anything, you know, people are doing things for their cars when it's really cold out. They tend to be less in the moment. They're worried about other stuff, so it's easier to attack somebody and take control of their car, probably, if it's zero degrees than if it's 60 degrees, because so, you get people thinking about other stuff. I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting. <laughs> I'm sure somebody is studying this, I hope. Well, when you go to the Hey Jackass site and they talk about all the murders and shootings, sometimes on a Saturday, like between one and three, we don't. There's nobody shot. They'll say it's a rain delay because it like poured for two hours. Nobody, nobody was outside. They'll, just, they'll declare a rain delay and then the shootings start as soon as it lets up. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> so hey, we pull out and start all over again. You know? Haven't had you on in a while, and then the next two Mondays are off. So we got. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll have to be like you know. Filtering, you know, content in the meantime to make a big splash when I do come back. So. Well, we might have you on a little bit with Kevin or with Lou or somebody. Oh, or, sure, sure. Um, the uh, our, our, our buddy Mike has become quite the contributor. I mean, uh, Mr. Mr. Murphy, I think he's, yeah. he's a great That's guest. Great to hear. He really has got it. He and Lou together 
I'm gonna have to have him on on a, on a Friday with Luke, because between the two of them, they have complimentary uh, type of things that they they, do. they were in the, in the army. Because Mike was stationed in Germany, and Lou was basically well, not basically, he was all over, but he was most a lot of it was in Russia because he speaks fluent Russian. So it's uh, they were both dueling back and forth on the NATO Article Five this morning. I, f- I found it very educational. I mean, so I really thank thank the both of them, as they say on the South Side. Absolutely. Hey, you know, I had a Interesting conversation last night. Uh, one of the ladies who works here in this office, she also spends time at one of the places, Market Rebellion or whatever, and uh, one of the, the guys she likes over there, I mean, uh, is this programmer guy. And I've met him a few times, and he just seemed like a, a real solid guy. So I said, you know, I'd really like to talk to him some night. So last night we actually met and talked for an hour or so, and uh, he's very very Polish, and uh, he's a he's a programmer. Real, real bright guy. I mean, I was going to say kid, but he's not a kid. He's, you know, he's probably late twenties, maybe thirty-ish. Uh, and we were talking about. He says, you know, the people that are here now are very concerned about America. The idea that the total lack of any—I won't say total lack—seemingly slip, slipping moral moral fiber, the lack of community, uh, the lack of family in some cases, not everywhere, of course. He says, you know. People are, are he, he said something about there's a whole bunch of guys here that he knows. They're raised here. And evidently some of these a couple of these Polish universities now are really pretty good. So some of these guys have gone back there to school both to solidify their knowledge of the language, but I guess you got a pre med over there and it's the same as here. You know, it's I mean I guess they're really good. He says he's known a bunch of guys that have done that. Not one of them has come back. He said we like it better over here. I mean there's Small towns, small communities, big cities, but he's, everything is, you know, it's, it's almost like it was here in the 60s, you know, where, uh, you know, the, the attitude is if you're not cheating, you're not trying, it's not like that. I mean, it's, he says that people are very concerned about the current state of America. And this is coming from somebody who, I think he was born here, but he was raised in a family that only spoke Polish. And uh, he says everybody's very concerned about what's going on here with all the, all the crookedness in politics, the corruption in the city. I mean, he goes, it's just, it's it's like what are we doing here? I mean, I, I I guess I could have thought of some of that, John. But when you talk to people, all of a sudden, a whole part of your brain opens up, and you go, "Really?" And it's is it that noticeable? I thought it was just old farts, like the guys who were on the show talking about how you know, the, like like a solid or was it Socrates? Like the new new generation sucks, you know, type of thing. I mean, it's not new, but these are young people telling me this. I I gotta believe if you know, especially people from European ancestry see a real sea change in this country in, in the lack of opportunity that used to be there, where it was a much more level playing field for immigrants, for, for native-born Americans to succeed in the system and, and to at least you know prosper, maybe in a kind of modest way, but you could have, have a decent lifestyle and raise a family and educate your kids and have a car and take vacations. Uh, without having to you know, pull strings or find loopholes, or you know, have take a PhD in chicanery and fraud, and uh, I, I think now it, the way things have changed in places like Poland, I think, and you know, the former, um, you know, the, the Eastern Bloc nations, which were completely you know corrupt under the Soviet system, and have now sort of gotten out from under that yoke and and have made a return, I think to what they wanted all along and couldn't have. Um, they looked at what's happening here, and it must completely demoralize them. 
because they realize that it's, it's not going to get any better than what they have now. And this country always represented a kind of standard that you couldn't achieve in any other country. And you, and you had a freedom you couldn't expect elsewhere. And I think it's kind of, you know, hit people pretty hard, that, especially if you're from Europe. Maybe not so much if you're from Africa or Asia, um, but it isn't the same playing field anymore, and you're likely to get knocked down here. You're not going to get a break. Uh, if anything, you're, you're going to get, you know, pushed aside pretty fast. Um, and that, that's kind of what, what the politicians seem to want these days. That's the kind of image they're perfectly happy sending out. Um, and it, it, it you know, breaks my heart. I can imagine how he must feel, too. Well, you said to me something very interesting. It's always amazing when you talk to people coming from a different walk of life, and, and they're, they're real bright people. They come up with something you never even dreamed. Uh, now, he's... How should I say this? I really like the guy. He's a tad more anal <laughs> than I than we were at his age. Let's put it that way. Because I mean, when when, our, when we were you know thirty years old, the world was our oyster. We had chances to screw up five six times. We were still going to be okay. But that was our attitude, right? I mean, uh, right. Uh, but now he says to me, you know, I look at my income and my industry, and he's a programmer. And I guess he's really good. Uh, he goes, I, I look. No, I would never have done this to myself at that age. He said, I I, I see myself maxing out at a two-bedroom condo someplace. He goes, my parents have a house. They couldn't even speak the language when they got here. He goes, I don't see myself getting a house. How am I going to do that? Houses keep going up. My salary doesn't go up as much. I mean, I mean, I, when you think about that, I, mean, I said to him, you know, our generation, you're in mind, Jan, we're probably the first generation that would, with some exceptions, probably didn't do as well as their parents in terms of houses and a couple of cars and a boat and maybe a summer home and stuff. Not that... I mean, I'm talking about a, a, you know, a yacht. I'm talking about a bass boat or something. I don't, you know, I don't, we don't, I don't, a lot of people in my age, I mean, I don't know a lot of people with that. You, I mean, we have some people that did it, maybe in the law profession or the accounting profession or something that where were able to raise prices when everybody else kind of slunk back. But it's it's not general. It's not across the board. Not at all, Tom. We lived in, a, it, our parents lived in an era where they could educate their children in, you know, halfway decent public schools. And I think superb private schools that were moderately priced and well within their reach for for just blue collar jobs. You didn't have to have, you know, two spouses working to send a child, you know, to a private school at all. And I think you know our parents went through a depression, and their grandparents went through other depressions and disruptions. Uh, but I, I do think that they were able to come back from those um, energized in a way and had a, a much more wide open playing field and and things like the GI bill and, and good education you know rewards were, were there for the taking but boy you know I, I look around at my peers now let alone the people coming up behind me and they get to be a bigger group every you know year I age more and I just I don't know what they must make of that I don't know what I make of it it's, it's a it's a really tough haul now to get anywhere close to where our parents were even in their in their sort of early years, you know, just getting started in their jobs or careers and starting a family, they were in better shape than somebody well into the game today. Even with, you know, multiple degrees after their names, it hasn't helped them. Well, we have, uh, I mean, just the simple stuff, I mean, I mean, you know, when I was born, I hatched or whatever happened to me, <laughs> I don't know, but I, mean, I, I got to believe my, my dad was a policeman, and I don't think they made a whole lot of dough. I mean, my mom was in there a few days because they managed to screw up while she was in there. Uh, I'm going to say, you know, he wrote the check. It might have been a week's pay or something. It wasn't, 
What, what's it they have a baby now? 50? 40? I mean, for what? Yeah. You're, you're in there for like a couple of days. I, I don't even... This ex- one of the ladies downstairs, uh, one of the bartenders, has a like a, an older bulldog. The thing had an abdominal surgery. The guy charged him eleven grand. What does it? What does it take? It took him an hour. What, what, the, what does the guy make? Three hundred thousand a week? I mean, give me a break. I mean, what, you know, what's the number? You know, I, I don't know how you even how you even come up with a number like this if you do any kind of a cost benefit cost analysis of it. Uh, yeah, I, I just I don't even know how you. Somehow or another, we have to we have to totally turn this bus around. And I, I honestly believe I, I talked to a, what an attorney guy the other night. You you you'd, have a, you'd fight with him for hours. He's kind of the on the liberal side of stuff. Very bright guy. Uh, of course, he was giving me a lecture about how you have to absolutely make sure you research everything when you tell people because everybody believes me because I'm on the air. You know, blah blah blah. Which he's, which I try and do by the way. Uh, but I, but they're also I, I could just there's a big discrepancy. Jan, between what I'm talking about and what he's talking about, and we, we really almost couldn't connect. Um, you know, and I talk about what's going on in politics, and he says, you know, you can't generalize. Eighty percent of the people that are in Congress are there because they actually want to do some good. And, and you know, I, I don't. You ever have a conversation with somebody, Jan, where you where you agree with everything they say, and yet you're totally opposed? Yep. Oh yeah, it, it's really easy today. Yeah. But I mean, but I think he's absolutely right. But that, that most people are there to do the right thing. Yet, and and the problem, a lot of them are pretty smart. If not, they're street smart. Uh, and yet, I don't think that the power is even. I think that the twenty, ten, or twenty percent that aren't necessarily there to do the right thing have eighty percent of the power, which which is a problem. Uh, and and somehow or another, I mean, and and I guess he. I'm not asking him to understand what I'm talking about, to be honest with you. I don't, I'm not asking anybody to do that. But he didn't seem to understand, maybe because he's not been in the what I'm doing, trying to be you know, on the air or whatever. And actually, I mean, I've written stuff for people. I, it's if four or five of the politicians are stealing dough, and all of a sudden it just comes out there, they're, if ten of them are trading against information that we don't have, I know there's 580, was it 585 people out there? But if the other... 575 don't stop them, spank them, throw them out, do something with them. They're all in it together. And he he had, he had couldn't understand what I was talking about. And yet, I think that's the truth, John. If, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. It is the truth, Tom. And as an example, you know, I'd point up what happened yesterday with the announcement of the uh, indictments against Caroline Ellison and Gary Wang, you know, the Almeida and FTX yeah. people that were kind of, you know, they were known to be cooperating or suspected of cooperating, um, you know, but practically simultaneous issuance of, you know, the charges that were filed against them and their guilty pleas from the SEC, the CFTC. And I, I think that all this may, sh- you know, be an attempt to kind of put the squeeze on Bankman Freed that all this was orchestrated very exclusively behind the scenes to happen so quickly the way it did. But to me, it's just a way of fogging the issue that the SEC and the Department of Justice were way behind the curve on this. Either but Jan, but they, when you say or, way or behind... ...to not have, have alerted somebody long before this, and it, this is a, an attempt to cover up what they were perfectly happy to cover up for years. Remember, the, in the movie, have you ever watched the... I'm not asking people... Actually, it's probably one of the greatest Westerns ever... The man who shot Liberty Valance? 
fantastic movie. One of John Ford's best. When, when, when Jimmy Stewart says to Andy Devine, uh, go out here, I go out and arrest Liberty Valance, and he goes, eh, I ain't got no jur- jurisdiction. <laughs> It's <laughs> only Andy Devine could say. Yeah, that. only Andy Devine could say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. I ain't got none of that. What, what you, I, mean, I don't know. These guys left the country. I mean, I know they had the U.S. subsidiary. I'm, I'm sure there's some law that I don't know about that ties them together or whatever. But the bottom line is the people that gave them dough didn't care about the Justice Department or the SEC. They said, screw you guys. That, that's what Bitcoin's all about. We don't want the Fed trade. That, that's what this is. I mean, so, I mean, yes, were they asleep? Should they have known the effect on the rest of the the, the system? Yes, because that's their job. But were they really, was it really up to them to to track this guy down? And and, and if, I don't know if there was any kind of notification. John, this isn't the first time. If if all of a sudden, every time we buy a property, and we buy it for 100 grand, we put 50 grand into it, we sell it for, Two hundred, two and a quarter, two fifty-three. World is our oyster, right? And all of a sudden, this is happening. All of a sudden, we got two houses. Then we got five. Then we got ten. Then we got forty, and we're running out of dough because now the price has gone from one hundred to one hundred to one hundred twenty, one hundred twenty-five. But we're still believers. No matter what, we're we're dead set believers. We're 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 drinking the Kool Aid, and all of a sudden, there's some money there, and uh, and I probably shouldn't go grab it. How about if I just take this dough, get this next house? It's really a good one. And oh, by the way, I'll pay you back over. I'll give you a, 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 a an IOU, I mean like a token or whatever the hell you want to call it. An IOU saying is is the next year I'll give it back to you. In, in my mind, I know I shouldn't necessarily be doing that because I'm in the business and I'm I think a pretty bright guy. But most people, I'm not stealing. I'm I'm, make, I'm, I'm giving you interest. And oh, by the way, they, I'm not I'm not I'm not absolving the guy from any of this. And I'm not because what he did was clearly wrong. But I'm saying in their mind. What's the problem? And, and in their mind, if Bitcoin was still sixty grand today, there is no problem. Even though you and I know there is a problem, right? Because you can't be doing stuff like that. But the people who are so outraged, they didn't give their money to me, where they know I can't do that, wouldn't do that. They gave it to somebody else, and they didn't care. So I mean, I I, I don't want anybody to lose money ever, Jen. I shouldn't be on this rant, but you know what? How 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 bad can I feel, really? Well, I, I agree with you, but I also you know would put out there that. But the fact that this whole operation was so politically intertwined oh, God, yeah. makes me even more suspicious yeah. that the people in regulatory positions didn't want to touch it because they were on the take too. What, what else can you take from uh, out from this? That, that everybody wanted it to, to keep going until you couldn't keep it going anymore. Which is a, you know that's what a Ponzi scheme is. Yep. And there's tons of examples where this stuff has you know gotten way out of hand. But I would say no, nothing on this scale that I know of. And also with, with the political connections all woven through it, that's what makes me highly suspicious of all of the timing on everything here. So, well, if you if you tomorrow want to open up an account at PTI and, and say your brother, it's an LLC and your brother's twenty percent of it, we got we we have to a know where the checks came from and we have to do an Interpol search and you and your lovely brother. Right, you're the regulatory agency, whether yeah. you want to be or getting paid to be it or right. anything else is immaterial. But now, now, strike now a politician, on the other hand, I'm going to say Jesse Jackson's kid who got a million dollars from these guys. I mean, well, the one, one politician in, in California, or the scumbag is, the money came from West somebody, somebody, but essentially a, a firm, an intermediary. I don't know if they're a bank bank or whatever the hell they are. They sent the wire. 
without the person's, without FTX's name on a thing, and a politician goes, man, I didn't know it came from them. Hey, screw you. I mean, you, we could we could never do that. Yeah, no. you, you're, you're going to put laws on, down on me and my firm saying that all of a sudden now we're at fault because we didn't, we didn't identify where the money came from and all this other kind of crap. Yet, politician, oh, here's a million-dollar check. It says cash. And oh, by the way, the top, the name scribbled out. <laughs> I, mean, I guess it works. I mean, come on. What, what planet, you know, Jan, we need it. We need this. We need, I don't know what we need. We need, we need something. Well, it's, it's by design, Tom. And, and, you know, firms like PTI and others, you know, take the hit <laughs> when anything else goes wrong in this completely morally bankrupt environment. And, and again, the, the crooks, you know, escape. And I think even the, the people here who are pleading guilty, and, you know, they're facing 110-year prison terms, they're not going to serve that. And, nor are they really maybe the, the, the most guilty of all in this entire operation. It's the politicians who are benefiting from this who, you know, will never face time. They will, they will never face charges. They won't give and, the money back either. No. Well, and those are the, the, you know, the innocent people. But maybe they weren't so innocent because they knew they were doing and and run around everything. Well, Dick Durbin they, says he's given his to charity. Why? Give it back to the place. Those people are the ones that lost money. Right. I mean, that, to me, is the biggest laugh of all. So they can take a deduction? <laughs> Why don't you give it back to the people who are cleaned out? They're the ones who were wrong. I, gotta, I, gotta I, 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 I just can't, you know, I, just, I have to laugh in kind of a sick way when I hear these, you know, virtue signaling attempts. Giving it to charity somehow gets them off the hook. Please, I got, I got a question for you. What? I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't know dull law. I mean, I know some securities law because uh, I've done expert witness stuff and things like that. But um, when you don't accuse anybody of anything and it's all conspiracy, I get I get charged not with peeing on the sidewalk. I get charged with conspiracy to pee on the sidewalk. Right. What, what, what does that even mean? Can, can I be? Can I charge with conspiring to conspire? I mean, what does it all mean? I either well, did it or I didn't. Rob Blagojevich is probably the best example. Um, you know, the, the jockeying for appointing a replacement to Obama for the Senate. Um, and that, that never you know, came to anything. There was, there was no you putting got anybody in that spot in fulfillment of a promise or a payment or a bribe or anything like that. It was merely having a phone conversation. And these conversations were with people like J.B. Prisker. Who was also showing himself to be a stakeholder in who got picked, and maybe he thought of himself as one of the people. He never faced charges. Well, <laughs> what, 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 was impeached. what exactly is conspiracy to commit wire fraud? A conspiracy to talk on a phone to somebody? What is that? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. If you were involved in you know, a, an attempt to further a criminal enterprise using the mails, using the wires, um, talking about it is enough. Is this, is, this is a lot of the, the junk in the January 6th charade, too. There's nothing to do with actual anything. It's all about, you know, s- some kind of behind-the-scenes planning or, you know, f- floating ideas or whatever else. And, and this is the same thing with the Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping plot. This is all imagined stuff, but you get a conversation going, and right away the, the conspiracy meter starts ramping up. And, you know, it's... Well, it's easier you, to get charges and convictions on that than an actual commission of a criminal act. And that's can, why can you conspire? The law uses this as a way to discourage these things, but it, it ends up giving you great power to entrap people and create fictions that get you, you know, snared up in the legal system. Can you conspire to conspire? Well, I, I, I guess I, I would, <laughs> I'm sure some prosecutor has tried that. <laughs> gotten away with it too probably so take care of yourself uh, Merry and Christmas we're talking to you next week to, 
you, your family, and all your listeners, Tim. SP Futures down 35 now. This is no good. NSA Futures down 140. What the hell happened to our rally? We'll talk about it tomorrow morning. And that's how she wrote. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.